snapping back like a rubber band to quote unquote Christian conservative values is not, and you're, you are clearly intelligent enough to know this, just going back, which is the only critique of Peterson because he's so, and I'll say it directly, obviously terrified of the gulag and these things, just snapping back like a rubber band fall, like cracking is not the answer. This is an opportunity for intelligent enough people to recognize that's extreme, that's excessive, so is that. I'm taking a position that is completely, as you use the word nuanced, it's probably the word of 2020, new and nuanced. But you did something that I'm confused by. The only thing that confuses me is January 6th. everybody welcome to movement matters i'm not even going to say the episode because i've learned in the last couple of weeks that when i do that we don't always stick to the release date or the release order because sometimes it's like you know that one might be better here that one might be better there eh, i think that one's good for now let's wait on that one so i don't know what episode this is i'm not going to try to pretend that i do know welcome to movement matters this is our monthly uh, oh, reminder of the show and um, a, a shout out, excuse me, a shout out to our sponsors. Did you know we're sponsored? That's right. Movement Matters officially became sponsored with season four earlier this year. Um, the two sponsors are Native Cafe and Philadelphia Table Company. Yeah, Philadelphia Table Company. Uh, I'm going to read off the cue cards here. Native Cafe. Uh where the people are so warm and welcoming, you won't even care that they're basically drug dealers. Okay, that's good. It's a nice place, downtown Doestown. And uh, I go there frequently. Can't you tell? Philadelphia Table Company, uh, weirdly based out of Yardley, uh, it's probably better than Ikea. Okay. Um, the head of the business actually was just featured in a magazine because he lives down on Yardley or in Yardley on the river. So good for them. Good for them. And thanks for sponsoring Movement Matters. You're wonderful people. Keep on keeping on. So this episode is a big one. Uh, actually, I know we recorded it on March 3rd, almost a month ago. And between then and now, a lot has happened with this guest. I've actually had two subsequent really in-depth 90-plus minute, uh, almost, yeah, basically two hours of conversation each time with this guest, um, with two other people as well. We did it as a group, as part of the uh, one of the new shows. And it has been one hell of a month, um, I realize, <laughs> marked by really digging into this man and his point of view and his world and his perspectives. And I'll give you the main reason why I was why I was feeling called to, I was going to say excited, but more accurately inspired and 
feeling a need to talk with this person is because he he went to DC. He was part of he will not call it an insurrection. He refused to even talk if we called it that or characterized it as that. I don't I mean, he essentially said is I'll I'll chat about anything as long as you don't call it an insurrection. I'm not calling it an insurrection. It was clearly a large event that became quite riotous and apparently there are many or at least two different theories as to why or how. So this man, Anton, um, was there and I thought, gosh, this is really relevant to a lot of what I've been increasingly speaking about or, and, and curious about and writing about and needing to um, explore with people. And I have been writing a lot about it. Actually, this whole month has been essentially research on this, this kind of perspective. And uh, needless to say, it's been extremely worthwhile. Anton, without a doubt, believes what he believes, has conviction, dare I say certainty, and has come to certain conclusions. Um, tempted to say unfortunate, but conclusions, none, without a doubt. A lot of the conversations, since there have been three, have largely been about questioning these conclusions, not necessarily the, um, the criteria, although that makes a lot of sense, given clearly this person, or Anton, um, has a relationship with Donald Trump that's different from me. I don't want to get caught up in that too much, though, because honestly, for these three conversations, we've barely even talked about that. Um, the primary, I'd say, focus for these conversations has been about Christianity and specifically the conclusions that a Christian value structure and value system is not necessarily best, but it's, I guess you could say it's what's most needed to um, keep our civilization or culture or country functioning. You could say functioning well, but I think in his perspective, it's just functioning. The loss of a Christian context will, I believe it's fair to say, result in chaos and incredible dis-ease and disorder and absolute dysfunction to the detriment of, again, our country, our culture, and perhaps civilization. I'm, I'm qualifying the perspective as I best understand it. And I don't think that's um, hyperbolic, what I said. I think it's pretty spot on. And I hope you can recognize that's an extremely important perspective to understand. Not to just condemn or get angry about or try to change, but to primarily understand. And that's been my mission for this month, to understand it, to get clear about it, and without a doubt, that's because people just under three months ago, there is what I'm calling, there was what I'm calling a violent and obviously deadly event that clearly looked like the um, potential 
prefacing or precursor to more excessive violence, to say the least. I'm trying to speak in this extremely diplomatic way, obviously, being respectful or being considerate of the fact that there was a lot of... That's, this is not a small issue or small problem. Um, yeah, it's been a hell of a month. So Anton qualifies his perspective as that of a conservative Christian capitalist. Three C's. I think there might have been even a fourth one. I'm not sure. Can't remember. Um, here's, a, here's a more or less direct quote. Just because we call something progress or progressive does not mean it is actually a reflection of progress. We need to be careful not to jump to the not to jump to conclusions in the name of being progressive. In other words, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's a general characterization, and it's a more or less direct quote from Anton, general characterization of his, and I think a lot of people like him, um, perspective and points of view. There is a concern that the baby, so to speak, is getting thrown out with the bathwater, so to speak. And I would add there's... That may be true that people want to do that or are unintentionally striving to do that. And there are two key, two significant, equally significant footnotes and questions to that. One, well, what, what if the way that the tub is getting filled is the problem, so to speak? What if the way the tub is getting filled is actually pretty bad for the baby and not serving the baby any longer. Maybe there's something going on with the pipes. And how do you know that jump that you're not on the other side of this trying to hold on too tightly to an old model or potentially obsolete model or potentially, dare I say, yes, the terms are relevant, oppressive or systemically limiting model. I don't think we get into this question, the following question in this episode, but we definitely talk about it in our subsequent conversations. I would say the main question that I posed to Anton and I posed to all Christians, whether you identify as Christian conservative capitalist or just Christian is, and especially if you're the kind of Christian, so to speak, who's, like Anton, very concerned about her or his or um, their country and way of life, what if it's a time to reevaluate how to be Christian, so to speak? What if, as Anton actually gave me evidence to, th to think through. He provided this almost softball for me. What if it's time for Christianity to upgrade and evolve again? As opposed to seeing something happening as just a threat. There may be threats, but there, there is potentially another way of relating to what could seem like a threat than to just think I need to fortify and barricade 
and protect and hold on. There might be another way. Dare I say that's actually potentially the Christian way? Especially if you characterize that in a more mystical or mystic context. Anyway, I want to give you all of this because there's a lot. Um, we don't get into Trump in any way that I think is, quite frankly, very worthwhile. Um, there's a little back and forth, I think, about white supremacy. And without a doubt, I'll say this, um, people lie. And I am as convinced as I was prior to this that uh, Trump functions as or operates, I should say, because I care about that word functionality as something very sacred. He operates as a liar. So I don't give a shit what he's ever said. <laughs> and he's also not the only liar. He's not the only person who lies regularly. So Anton defends Trump's um, relationship with white supremacy as if to as to say that Trump has already stated his allegiance to um, the good of uh, of seeing everyone as equals, if you will, and and living that way. He's Trump is has wa has wiped his hands of that. He's not implicit in any um, increased violence or racism in general. And I, to that, did not, I didn't reply in this way during the episode, but I would say that's absurd. And Donald Trump is a is one of the most um, egregious liars I, seemingly ever. So I don't care what he said. <laughs> it has no value. It has no merit for me. And in the context of defending himself, especially if not entirely. Um, there's a bit about, on that note, similar note, um, questions of equality and, and what, is, what is it that people really want in terms of equality? I don't think any of that's complicated. I think Anton and I are more or less on the same page about that. I will, without a doubt, say that to try to force equality of outcome as the uh, nomenclature seems to be suggesting or as we seem to all know how to speak this new we knew how to speak these new terms equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome to try to force and control and streamline equality of outcome is yes it's very dangerous there's ways that it's i can i can break down and we didn't get into in this conversation how it's dangerous it is inherently unintentionally a way to it is an inherently dysfunctional tendency. Uh, and it's counter to your own quality of life to even want that, to want everybody more or less to be the same, to want sameness. There's a way in which the, the general context there is essentially dysfunctional. I don't, of course, think that that's what most people want, equality of, so to speak, outcome. I think there's a general balancing um, force at play in terms of our civilization and our way of life and is it uncomfortable to live with through and to live with probably is it 
is it um, possible to see it and freak out? Absolutely. Is it potentially going to go, is the scale potentially going to tip fully into one direction? I guess that's possible, sure. Regardless of all of those questions, though, it's happening. It's, a, it's an inevitability that makes complete sense. And to be relating to it as something that you have to fight against, well, what you resist persists. That's not the way forward here. That's not the way to handle this if you truly, dare I say, care about, again, progress and specifically progress from a Christian point of view. There is, and I don't even need it to be about a Christian point of view, I'm just acknowledging that again since it's so clearly relevant to the conversations we've now had. Um, I'll leave it at that. There's a lot more to say. I want to acknowledge mostly that um, the primary issue I have with Anton's approach here is the certainty, the the having jumped to conclusions. In general, people, I think we're dangerously good at projecting meaning and having one looking at something and thinking that it means this because that's somehow where we landed. And if you unpack, in other words, if you, if something happens and you project meaning upon it, that could be right, that could be wrong, that could be neutral, but it might have, it will be, it will have an effect. And if you're not careful about that tendency, and if you just keep projecting meaning, you're most likely going to keep doing it in the same way, which is inevitably going to feed your worldview. It's called confirmation bias. That's a lot of what this whole social media dilemma, social dilemma, information dilemma, and especially internet dilemma is doing for people. These algorithms that are clearly controlling people's, uh, unintentionally controlling, or allowing for people to become slaves to themselves, they're, they're operating in that same way. Oh, this, this perspective could be reinforced this way, could be consistently reinforced this way, keep reinforcing it this way. Inevitably, what happens there, no matter what your perspective is, no matter who you are, no matter what the context, you're just going to keep going down the same singular linear path that probably never ends, and you're going to get potentially lost there if you're not careful. And I think it's, I know he wouldn't appreciate this, but I think that's a lot of what's been happening here. I think there's a group of people, especially a group of white men of a certain age group, perhaps with a certain background, and of course, it's more than white men. Candace Owens is a perfect example of this. She's not a white man, although she seems to operate in many ways like one, if you will, and I could qualify that if asked. Um, the And we need to obviously qualify what the hell white even means. The... Um, the word I'm, I'm wanting to add, though, is radicalizing, self 
radicalizing. There's a self-radicalizing nature to all of this, especially because they have convinced themselves that they see something that others don't, that they see the truth and you don't. Anyway, you guys probably know all of this. This is a long introduction because it's been a month in the making. We've had a lot of conversations. I wholeheartedly care about what I... Th- <laughs> Here, Here's the final piece. I actually think Anton and I care about the same things in many respects. I actually think we more or less care about the same potential. The, pr- the approach, though, and the concepts around our that are forming our approach it's night and day you flip it on its head it it look it may look the same but then if you unpack it oh wait a second it's extremely different <clears throat> my interest is in the potential for us to actually and this is where the conversation basically begins see the same see in a similar way not same but to see what we're to to look at what we're looking at and to make sure we're looking at it in a similar enough way. I don't know what else is even worth doing, quite frankly. There's no point in trying to convince anybody of anything. There's no point in trying to prove you're right. There's no point in any of that. I'm mostly sure that that's pointless in these kinds of contexts. But if we can figure out whether or not we're able to even look at that, whatever that is, and understand it in a similar enough way. Oh shit, that's exciting. That screams potential to me in a wonderful, good way. All right. Um, We fact-checked some things. Uh, There's a bit about critical race theory that I think Anton brings in. A good friend of mine has a you know, similar, or excuse me, um, sort of the exact opposite perspective on critical race theory. And I want to quote him. Some folks say that critical race theory is, quote unquote, reverse racism, blaming white folks today indiscriminately for the actions of white folks in our past. In my friend's opinion, that's a distraction from what critical race theory is really about. The bottom line is the sooner we can all acknowledge racism, um, the sooner we can all be free. So I think the best argument against, I think what Anton brings up about critical race theory is the same general argument. Like, okay, this is happening for a reason. Are we going to just resist it? Because again, we think that it's part of some kind of I haven't used this phrase yet, but grand conspiracy? Or are we going to relate to it in a way where we are committed to figuring out how to, or allow, and figuring out and allowing for something better than before to emerge? That may or may not have made any sense because, again, I've been deep in all of this and, and, will be for a very long time, it seems. Um, But I want to just, I guess, I'll end with this point, that if you truly see what's going on around you, at least in part as an opportunity for some 
for something new and to learn. I don't know how you couldn't be open if that's your attitude, if that's your way of relating to things. I don't know how you couldn't be open to um, to what's to to the people around you, and, and if you can stay with that attitude, if you can maintain that attitude, which I realize is not as easy as I'm making it potentially sound. I believe that we have yet seen the way that that we have yet to see how that way of operating could be for our world and our species. All right. I will stop. (laughs) Thank you. And thanks again to Native. And uh, it's called Philadelphia Table Company. I think they... They make tables, but I don't know if they do it in Philly. All right. Um, pretty sure that's it. Enjoy the episode. Ta-ta. One of my dysmorphias, you know, like everyone's got their little picadillos about themselves. Ever since a young age, I've always thought that I had the voice of a Ukrainian thug. It's like something, something when I hear it on a recording, I'm like, I think I sound like this. And that I am big caveman, dumb guy. I think I sound like some sort of nasally nerd, like a Steve Urkel. So, wow. But people tell me that I, I have a nice voice. Like, okay, I'll keep, I'll keep doing it. Absolutely. Some people tell me. Hey, that, those nineteen fifties moms. That's who you got to trust. You know, they're the ones with <laughs> the uh, the real last hardcore radio knowledge. You were saying something about a client today. Yes, absolutely. So it's just great because. I got to both jobs ahead of schedule. Neither one took particularly long compared to what I thought it would. The customers were delighted. Um, everyone could roll with, you know, someone showing up early, which is, you know, unheard of in the service, you know, repair industry. And that was it. You know, my money was made. I could have, you know, scrambled to try and find more work, but, you know, three hours instead of eight hours. And some days it'll be 10 or 11 hours, but it's just, a better feeling, you know, so much more control, so much more relaxed. It's wonderful. I get it. Do you get paid hourly or by the job? A little of both. Yeah. Um, my friend, I have a, one of my best friends is a contractor. Quite a few of them are. So I know it. you get that rapport with your client and they keep, they keep you there. It's kind of like me with coaching. Like if somebody digs my, my style and we get a rapport going, we become family. Yeah. Well, coaching is really intimate. You know, like you're helping someone achieve something, transform. You get to deal with a lot of insecurities and, you know, a lot of uh, surrogate emotions get thrown on you. I was a coach for wrestling for six years. And you wrestled in high school and college? Just high school? Just high school. Cool. High school. Yeah. New Hope Solbury, which is also where I ended up coaching. And then Solbury School, the private school. Oh, yeah. Next to the same district. And were you... Four as well, or oh three. Oh three. Three. You're you're older than me then. Cool. Thanks Wrestling is one of the I think most um, exhausting activities you can put yourself through, and I and love it. If that at that, if I were to learn one new, I think jujitsu would be the top of my list to to learn. Jujitsu is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean anything that gives you that kind of body awareness and where you have to actually push somebody else who's trying to push you is I think in its own caliber of sport. Yeah. Even Griffin and I wrestle and he's 
getting bigger. He's by no means as strong as me, but he's getting bigger and he pushes and it's it's delightful. I can't actually wait till he's bigger and I hope he still wants to do it because I will be able to push harder and he'll push harder and irons, you know, hardens iron, toughen, toughens you up. Yeah. Um, I hope we just don't hurt each other someday, but at the same oh time, my goodness. that might be good. I mean, you know, every once in a while, the silverback's got to show the other gorillas who's in charge, right? You know? Yeah, he, he gets it. He gets it, though. When he's 15, you might want to throw him around a little bit, you know? Yes. Yes, indeed. He often seems like he's 10 going on some adolescent age. Um, yeah, and he wants to get pushed around. It's weird. I mean, I guess I yeah. can understand it, but... He likes the physical. He likes well, I, it, sports it, where that's part of it, where you're you're physical with each other. He doesn't like ball sports. He doesn't like to do anything with balls. Actually, okay, that's a funny statement. He likes the act the sports without balls. <laughs> hey, there you, well then he might not like wrestling. You know, it's a little uh, a yeah, little that's true. five on two every once in a he while. Might get two balls every here and there. Oi, every, yeah, two acres. It's a it's a family farm. You know. Oh boy. Anyway, I think you actually hit on, on the head though, something that is definitely a a point of contention and discussion in today's society. And that's kids push, especially young men push. But I think a lot of that is them pushing because they want to find out where the barriers are. They want to know that there's structure, you know, they don't want to just push and push forever. They want someone to push back and say, Nope, that's the limit, you know, and that starts young with, you know, hot stove, you know, cookie jar. But when you're a teenager and you're pretty competent, you want to prove it. I think that's when people act out. And I think especially for young men, it's important to be in an environment where that's acceptable. You know, like Uh you have to be able to act out and be forgiven for your extra aggressive hormones and tendencies, because a lot of that is really people who are ready to excel. That's a good preface to the intro I mentioned wanting to um, provide. It's a very good preface. And I agree with you. Aggression is, yeah, well done. <laughs> Aggression isn't bad. Being aggressive is not something to um, look at as bad. And none of those, and I will definitely, obviously, you can quote me. I'm saying it publicly as much as this is public. None of that's true. None of um, that's true. <laughs> no, obviously, there's a pl- there, context is so key. But Thank I think you. we're going that's to good. be navigating a lot is the, the, um, importance of context and so yeah i love that griffin has that side to him and i can see you know, there's a book over here i was i was gesturing or looking over to see if i could point it out but um i think it's behind my chair it's called the continuum concept it's one of my absolute favorite books unfamiliar large it's not that popular it's largely about how child raising is not something that you know it's not for the faint of heart for one thing Raising children is the most important activity, because and it doesn't ever stop. Hence, continuum. It's not something that you just take on and you're you clock in for a little bit of the day or even fifteen years, whatever. It's what you need to realize as a parent, whether you're about to become one, you are one, you were one. If God forbid your children died or child died, any of it is that learning never stops. The growth is not something that you will end. Um, and the the need for, as you said, boundaries is foundational. But I think the most exciting possibility that the book points to, not to say it's proven, but it's an exciting possibility, 
is that the ability, the way to grow can be mostly enjoyable. So with Griffin, I am curious as I raise him, to what extent do, do we need to combat, if you will, for the friction, for the aggression to turn to competition or friction or something that looks like one over the other. And again, I don't have a problem, as I will make clear, with hierarchy or order or any of these things, which may sound more conservative, if you will, but we'll get to that. Um, the question is context, and I think there's a possibility, I don't know for sure, but there's a possibility that we can grow without essentially butting heads. If you can see the other, whether it's your child or your father or a friend or a colleague or just someone you're getting to know, if you can see the other as someone who's here with you to be engaged in growth and learning and a continuum of, if you will, evolving, and ideally if you can do that together, the possibility is quite logical that you could find something new that's good for both, good for all parties. That was not my intended preface, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the intended preface was um, in relationship to what some of what you said last Thursday, I think, or Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. So two things happened last Wednesday that I think are really important. It doesn't seem like the third one is something I need to qualify, um, but I'll, I'll hint at the third one. The first thing is you, I think the only way this could be unpleasant is if we get stuck in boxes or put the other person in boxes. And I don't think that's going to happen. And I'm also not likely to let that happen. Are you talking about technical definitions and stuff Identity like that? stuff. Like getting caught up in identities. Hey, man, that, well, that's that's <laughs> part and parcel with the uh, the course of the conversation. But I I tend to agree that yes, if we both approach this open minded, if if you were talking about this conversation, yes, I don't yeah. think there's a reason why we need to butt heads. If you were talking, I thought for a second you were talking about butting heads in the context of a family, and I was like, no, no I'm pretty no, sure no, there's no. going to be personality conflicts in the family. That's that's for sure. <laughs> no, the main reference is. Last week, you defined conservative, which is important to talk about, obviously. Well, I, I think I was talking about what it means to me. Exactly. But that's yeah. good. And we, that's okay. what we, I think we need to start with. Awesome. But there are two other things that happened. The second one's probably not that important, but I want to acknowledge it. And it may still not, be, it might not be true still. You implied that I'm not conservative, potentially, which is worth considering. <laughs> for, for those of you who can't see his office, I'm pretty sure there's more dream catchers in here than I've ever seen in my life. No, that's a metaphor, yeah, but it is definitely the stuff of hippie dreams. Some, uh, okay, good. So let's, let's get that out. That's good. And the third key thing, which again is, I don't think there's a problem really with it as long as we're both, and by no means I, I know it's not going to happen because I just know that's not the kind of conversation that I, um, value, but you mentioned the need for trust. You you did use the word trust last week, which is obviously critical. So with that awareness, and of course, I think I know what you're looking at in my lovely room here, but you would also take note that in my 
closet, I have an extraordinarily legitimate compound bow that I use regularly. Awesome. I carry a pocket knife. Ooh. Um, and I could go on. But that is also not the way I want to approach this, which is to say, again, putting any potential boxes. That That's going to be my little... Um, trope here as we explore so the best i could kind of fill in for the uh (laughs) my understanding and i i readily admit i don't really know you but i feel like you were one of those people who was probably on the fringes of the groups of people who i knew through social contact but only the people that i've known since we've been in the same towns for so long you know i feel like you've been on the other than alex who oh ari yeah. 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 Okay. And so I, I imagine there's a hundred other connections that we just don't know about. Oh my God. Oh, right. Cause you had met at Triumph, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I keep and forgetting fact, that. Ended <laughs> up having a deep philosophical conversation about Christianity for like four hours with her and her friend. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was, there actually, there was a third C word, but the second one was Christian. You mentioned Christian. Conservative and Christian, very, very clearly last week. Absolutely. I I think it's worth just reiterating, as um sure as much as you want, some of what you said last week. Well, I I think let me juxtapose a couple and of try th- to. I don't know how easy it's going to be. At least pull it towards you a little. I think it might. Sorry, matter. this is my first <laughs> podcast. Is that any better? It probably yeah. Testing, I think we'll testing, be all right. One, two, three. <laughs> all right. So I think being a conservative to me is really about having a deep respect and appreciation for a combination of one's heritage, meaning the history that brought us to where we are, um, and all the struggle and the toil that went into those lives and honoring them by continuing on their traditions and giving full credence and glory to everything that was put forth. Now, you still have to be critical of it. You still have to be critical of the things that happened in the past, but you can't judge the past by your own definitions and your own versions of reality. You have to judge them by their own morals to a large degree. And being a conservative, you really, I think in this case, you're looking at faith and you're looking at family and you're looking at the way culture is attacking things like chastity or economy. You know, you look at the size of houses going up. You look at the fact that everyone is supposed to, you know, have sex starting at the first possible, you know, year that they're past puberty. You know, it's like we wonder why our society is, you know, at a critical state and seems to be on the decline. And then you look at all the advances that we've made as a culture and you say, okay, sex is everywhere. The family is under attack. Fatherhood and masculinity especially is under attack. Our schools are failing. Um, you know, the, the list goes on and then you look at all the, the things that we've attacked over the years, you know, things that were stabilizing elements in our society 
And those are the things that are being decried right now by, you know, the postmodernists especially. And to a large degree, I think the changes that come about come about for a reason, but I think they're pushed too far. You know, I, we had talked last week about Footloose. You know, I think... Who? You and me? Yeah. Did we? Yeah, just briefly as kind of a, a microcosm of this whole problem, you know, that, that conservatives are, are facing. It's you have all these people who want to rebel and who want rock and roll and who want to sing and dance and party. And that's great. I'm not saying don't party. I'm saying you won so many battles so quickly and technology has provided for, you know, these new and bold lifestyles, you know, like contraception, by example. You know, really only been very effective for what a couple of decades. Same with birth control. These are huge things. Working in the same environment, men and women. These are huge societal changes in and of themselves that have only been taking place for a couple of decades, and now people are really trying to complicate things and tear down pillars of society that have proven to be stable for thousands of years, without giving anything to really replace them with. You know, and I think that's where I differ with, you know, liberals and postmodernists. And that's why I think conservatives are on the right track is because we've looked at all that struggle and all that toil and everything that went into the way things I, were the way they were. I think we got it. Good. All right. I, I wrote down a lot, as you saw. <clears throat> I can tell you some of what I wrote for sure. But I think there, there's so much you've provided me with. It's fantastic. All right. Proven to be stable. What does that mean? And who, who, give me an example of a quote unquote conservative besides yourself. A conservative would be any. Actually, let me just say this one more time as well, because it's not at all the nature of this conversation. Um, it would be a mistake to think as a listener or just either one of us here that there are two opposing points of view here there there's quite a bit i i hope you're pleasantly surprised that i probably could jive with and boogie with and i want to i'm going to be wearing two hats most of the time here which is to explore the yeah you've got at least three and not the one you're not counting the one you're wearing uh <laughs> I need to also explore what could be. I'm there are curiosities that we have to explore. Sure. Um, for the sake of at least me, but I think both of us, and of course any potential third party, aka listener. But with that again being hopefully clear, proven to be stable, and who are conservatives? Give me an example. Well, I think that's one of the great misidentifications. Is a lot more people are conservative in at least a large swath of their life without really knowing it. And I think that's one of the biggest things that upsets people like me is when we hear people decrying, you know, America, by example, you know, let's just keep this basic as this huge, you know, patriarchy of hyper oppression and all this and never give any credence to 
everything that it took to make it as good and stable as it is. So it's your question, why stable? How do we know these things are stable? Well, you said proven to be stable yeah, for absolutely. quite and some time. Here, yeah. here we go. Yeah. So the foundational pillar, the single biggest piece of Western culture is the Bible. Hands down, it has shaped more generations in more ways than any other document in Western civilization. I think we could both agree with that. And if, if we don't, tell me what you think is a good substitute, and that would be a good, you know, separation of... No, sure. I think that's pretty... Okay. Agree. That's probably true. Well, so when I... One might debate it's the Iliad or uh, who the hell... Uh, some other relatively ancient um, canonical text, but no, for the recent... Tales of Genji. Uh, he says in a provocative tone. Indeed. No, not... For sure not here. That's probably true in um, Japan, but... China. Is that... Yes, can... I think. Either uh, way. Maybe? No, I think it is China. You're right, China. I'll double check. Okay. Uh, but either way, yes. Let's just say... Because you qualified Western... Right. Culture. So, Civilization or culture? I think a lot of people... The Bible. Sure, can't, let's just go with that. Can't diverge the Bible once they hear that someone draws authority from it because that stops them in their traps. They say, oh... Oh, it is Japanese. You know, yeah. Oh, what? you're rock and roll. I guess that means I'm right about everything. Hey, listen, man, you've got the great hair and the, you know, the Buddha behind you. So I've read good. the tale of Genji. I got about a third of the way through it, yeah. and then I said, I can't. It's just too dry. It yeah. wasn't a good read, but uh, go on. So, yes, the Bible informs whether you're conscious of it or not. It informs so much. how you live your life, whether you're aware of it or not how you interact with each other, how you interact with yourself, mm -hmm. the way you perceive um, the world, right period, everything. Yeah, it, it covers huge fundamental portions that people need to address within themselves. People need spirituality on some level, whether they say they do or not. You could be the staunchest atheist in the but world. It doesn't mean they need the Bible, though. True, but they need faith. In but your something. suggestion is that the stability provided is by, through... By example, the Bible points to a nuclear family, father, mother, children. And after the Old Testament, it says, look, you can do that. It's a really bad idea. And for the record, there's no examples in the Old Testament of a household with more than one wife where people were particularly happy. You know, more than one wife is not necessarily a blessing. But... In the Bible, it points to a nuclear family. Well, even if you don't believe that the Bible is the divine word of God, which is something I do, I believe it's divinely inspired word of God, but it's still a thousands of I'm generations, smile on that one. thousands of years old document that has survived the test of time. And if you don't believe that it's divinely inspired, that means that literally out of the ethos of human understanding before we were scientists and had the scientific method, the best way we could explain family and good idea was father, mother, children, let the children look at the father and mother's relationship and learn what it's like to be good partners and stable and support each other and then go do that again. That's stability. Now, we have shows like Modern Family, which is hilarious, but at the same... I actually si don't enjoy it. I do. I do. I think it's quite funny. Um, however, I don't watch it enough to know the characters like names. I know the three different households 
basically. But anyway, I digress. My point is Modern Family is just another little chip at, you know, something that we need to rebel against, except we don't have anything good left to rebel against. We've gone beyond just reacting to people who are bad or racist or whatever, and now we're seeking it out. And now you're paying people to seek out injustice, and they're going to find it because they want to keep getting those sweet paychecks. And that's a very simplified version of reality, but that's really how I feel it is. I feel like we've gone beyond real morality, and we've now substituted real morals for virtue signaling morals, and we're hunting down things like the boogeyman instead of real concerns. Yeah, let me... <clears throat> I'll be really glib about it. I don't give a shit about Dr. Seuss. Any of the cancel culture stuff... I don't really think, given the time we have, is worth our is worth uh, talking about. I think it'll be quite boring, given what we can talk about. Um, I will say that suggesting, not that you did this, but I've heard plenty of people saying it, that Dr. Seuss is an example of cancel culture is factually wrong because they chose to do it and not, they weren't forced to. It wasn't anything to do with being canceled. Obviously, you know why I brought that up, but I, I really don't need personally. I, it doesn't feed me at all. Alex brings this crap up all the time, too. It doesn't feed me at all because I don't actually think it's a very interesting conversation. I, and that's probably something that we could agree on. It's not a very or it's a waste of intellect. It's a waste of intelligence. I, just, I think it's a shame that it needs to be addressed at all. Well, I think the only thing that matters is defining what it is. And I'm curious, I wrote his name down like probably 15, 20 minutes ago. You sound like someone who's really gotten a lot out of Jordan Peterson. Is that relevant at all? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, no. I, think, <laughs> I think he is one of the champions who's addressing the unsung condition that's starting to swallow up young men in North America in general. And probably Western culture in general. Yeah, I, I I read Twelve Rules for Life. It's actually right there. Awesome. So I'm What'd you think of it? It's a good read. I don't recall having any issue with any of it. Um to say in the sense of like I disagree or not so I don't recall. Um we but could, it wasn't like fundamental, earth shattering. You weren't sitting there like gripped, like no. okay. But to but be let fair, me qualify but, but that. To, to be fair, just so we are in the same frame of mind, I believe you're very fulfilled with your life. I am, and obviously, well, you just mentioned how some people aren't. Um, but also, and uh, I, I'd have to look back. I don't remember any. I'd have to really try to think real quick about any of the rules. I'm glad I read it. And I've listened to him discuss it, and I see him still discussing his new book. Um, I, I got a lot out of when he was doing that particular book tour, um, like some of the podcast conversations. I, I, uh, I value his contribution to society, to say the least. I, you might want to, this might be worth knowing. I don't mention this a lot, but my degree is actually religious studies. Uh, my bachelor's degree is literally religious studies. So I can groove on this shit hard. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> One of my best friends is a rabbi. One of my other best friends is a Christian brother, both of whom have been on this show. 
But did uh, they walk into a bar together? No, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> uh, that would be fun, though. It would be really fun, actually. I would love that. And <laughs> it would be great to have them all here. I've actually thought about you and the rabbi in particular talking, because um, I think you Ooh, say... Wait, Rabbi Michael? Yeah, have you met him? At Alex's... Uh, oh, God, of course. Right. Yeah. yeah, I've known him for quite some time. Cool. Um, I actually just introduced him and Alex, even though they had met many years back. They they didn't have a relationship until um, kind of all came together with the three of us. Does your audience know these people, or are we just talking like... I don't know. Do I don't know if anybody's know. This, even this listening. My, this is my first podcast. <laughs> this is like my uh, first trip to the races. Look, I, I kind of already said this is mostly for me. This is this is this is like exercise at its most, at its finest for me. And and dare I say, no offense to anyone, research and oh. no offense to you. It's like research, but I. Obviously, I hope people listen, and I think it's good. I think there's a lot to get out of it, especially um, for what we do need to eventually talk about, but I, this is all good foundational stuff. Mm-hmm. But we got to get them in the bar someday. Yes, I agree. But for backing up a second, I say all this because I think it's, you know, you know Michael, obviously, mm-hmm. and I, I know he would um, really appreciate a lot of your... I guess you could say diagnosis of our culture and, and what's going on for men for sure. And I, I wrote his name down too, actually. It's so glad that came. I forgot you had met. Um, give me a second here to frame a question sure. here. Cause I so say you take all the time you need my savvy friend. You recognize, I trust, that it is a belief to say that the Bible is, quote-unquote, divinely inspired. Of you course. recognize that's a choice. Absolutely. And, okay. and for the record, that's when people ask you, like, why do you believe? I'm like, why would you want to not? Like, if, if it's going to be a choice and I get to choose between the universe having a personality based on love that wants a relationship with me, that's willing to lay things out if I'm willing to play ball and, you know, metaphorically and energetically be awesome, you know, give my best as much as I possibly can. Oh, you mean that's for the greatest possible good and that's the essence of love incarnate? Or I could just be like, yeah, we're just a bunch of random energy. Well, I'll give you a reason why. And, as, and I, I certainly appreciate the word love, although I think it is in, um, tragically meaningless in many situations. But I think we can do better than the Bible. I actually wholeheartedly believe the Bible is holding us back. Then I think you don't understand it well enough. But I'm open to your interesting and hey you know what maybe maybe you'll shadow not about my god though but the bible is holding us back as a species that's hey go there, for there it you go. To, to change my mind no it's not i actually don't even care about that what what's more important to me is no and i don't even think i would want to um what's What's valuable isn't changing anybody's mind. What's valuable is being aware of, no, not just being aware of, but embracing a 
a new question. In other words, could we do better than the Bible? Even if it is divinely inspired, could we do better? That's I, not even about changing anybody's mind. It's but just, when you say, could we do better than the Bible? I don't know what that means because Jesus is the ultimate archetype of love that's what overcoming we say. struggle. I mean, if you can come up with a better concept for for that particular concept, write it down because you'll, you'll... Well, be how very... do you reconcile the fact that there are many gospels deliberately not, for reasons that we understand based on history, not put into the New Testament? My understanding... Not put into the New Testament or put into the, uh, the whole thing? Because my understanding was well, that yes, the there whole was thing, a, meaning a, not the Bible, a large not the Bible. congregation <laughs> of people who got together and said... It was men. These, Council of Nicaea. Yeah. Constantine and all that. Mm, yep. And said, these don't seem to fit with these. And do I understand hermeneutics well enough to know why? No. But if we're flawed and they have rejected certain books of the Bible that make more revelations clear. It's either God's will that they're not revealed to us yet, or it's all fake. You know what I'm saying? It's like either it's just a bunch of good ideas that have been put down on paper or it's divinely inspired. It's really the only two options given that kind of document. Wait, say those two options again. It's either divinely inspired or it's a bunch of good ideas that have been preserved on paper. That's, those are your options. There's a third obvious option. You don't see it? What, that it's bad ideas? I mean, <laughs> well, you, can, no. you can argue that, that if you want. No, that it's a, well, yeah, I guess that would be a fourth, but that's too subjective. It's a bunch of ideas. That's... Second option. No, that no, just, no, no, no. You said good ideas. So then you're going to argue that it's bad ideas. No, no, no. I, no. Why do you have to call it either one? Well, since, in other words, since they're foundational to the <laughs> building of a society, one would hope that they had some sort of non neutrality to them. They're foundational by choice to the building of a Christian society and if, to Islam and Judea. And there's a lot of overlap no, they, in the Vedal they text. Use and the there's Torah a lot of overlap. Or the Quran. Right, but they're very different. Abraham. I know, but they don't use the New Testament. I'm sorry, how much overlap <laughs> is yeah, thank you. But how much overlap is there? In terms of a Jewish culture? And the Christian culture and the Islamist culture. Probably more Enough than 85%. that people lump them together as the Western religions, but there's obviously dramatic differences Huge. given that people have issues but with you'd have that Muslims pretty consistently. And they have issues with a lot of other yes, people. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, yes, it goes in both directions. So Tolerance has to go in both directions. <laughs> Don't think we're not going to come back to that. And we, we will, but the point is that you obviously I, recognize I'm, that they're not the same to so most people. I feel like we've migrated because your original question to the question was, do you understand that they're ideas and it's a choice? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah, I took the word good out. But but don't you think that we're going to get bogged down in those very technicalities and the little boxes that we don't want to get bogged down in? Oh, we could if I thought that was 
if it's I like, no, because the point is it's subjectivity. Uh, I was I was acknowledging but it's so tedious because then we have to define well, what is good. Is it Aristotle's the good, and is it the search <laughs> of the good? And what's an we idea? don't though. we don't what at all is 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 it's like come on, dude. If you can't say that, do good and not bad. Honor the goodness no, above no, no. all. Hang if, on, if you're trying to argue these are bad concepts, then we don't have a fundamental understanding together. Exactly. We have, and we have an hour left, which is glorious. And I'm glad we got to the key point here is there's no point in discussing any of this without an agreed upon foundation. If you're about to tell me that you think you, that the foundation of the Bible is... Now, for we, anything, not just the Bible. We're only talking about the Bible because you brought it up. Right. No, for anything, there needs to be an agreed upon foundation. Yes. That's that, what I'm Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. And I think that's one of the things we touched on last week is you have to have social cohesion. You have to have- I call it agreements. Yeah. Similar values. Enough yes. overlapping values that in a given situation, you and I can look each other in the eye without worrying that ideally there's going to be theft, rape- murder, you know, subjugation of some kind. Yeah. That that's social cohesion, you could say social immoral agreements. activity. And I would argue that actually I don't even have to argue. Getting back to what the conservative typical mindset is, is that instead of charging ahead with every new slapstick idea of how to run a society and a culture, you take serious checks and balances using everything that's come before. And that's why those things that have survived the test of time, AKA the Bible, are super important. And every time we have someone chip away at them and try and undermine them, we have to be hypercritical of why they're really doing it. Because most people aren't doing it or doing something like that, whether it's the Bible or another social pillar. If you're attacking social cohesion and you and you don't have a viable replacement for it, then I think you're a saboteur. I, I you're probably right to some extent. And the only problem, as I see it with a lot of that, and unfortunately, and this is on you, you didn't send me any information. I asked you to send me some information. I wrote a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff down and started doing bibliography. I did my own but, research, yeah. but regardless. If we start unpacking things like be it Black Lives Matter, being run by um, Marxists, et cetera, Antifa, and whether or not, and of course, this is getting closer to one of the important details here, mm -hmm. if we, and whether or not Antifa was present on January 6th, et cetera, et cetera, if we start unpacking all these things, and literally, which I'm pretty sure is what you're, you believe, that there's a communist threat to our Christian capitalist conservative world... If we start unpacking that, as you said, and getting into the specifics, um, the only way it'll be valuable is with, and the only way, I, I'm positive, the only way that'll be of any value to both of us, not, and I don't think it can be of value to one of us without it being of value to both of us, which is my own kind of point of view without a, a foundation upon which to explore all of this. You could call it a spiritual foundation. I think that's actually probably a good thing to do. 
but the Bible's not it for me. In that, I'm not agreeing that it is divine necessarily. I, I, I was going to say I'm willing inspired. to bet that 99% <laughs> of the things that you agree with could come straight out of the Bible. And again, it's such a stumbling block because people don't want to be pinned down to what they see as the box of Christianity. And I think most people in this country really just don't want to be held accountable. Well, I was raised Catholic for what it's worth. And I think I have a pretty good grasp on the quote unquote box of Christianity. Well, but and the, the primary Catholics, thing example, being- Didn't they leave the Bible at a, as a larger version than the Protestants? Isn't their Bible different to some degree? Um, just yes, yeah, okay. it is. Do you go? Are you more of a Protestant in your identification? Okay, I would say, yeah. I think the distinctions are fairly asinine, quite frankly. But <laughs> not reason for a hundred-year war. No, I think they're pretty fucking asinine. I don't care. We can go Protestant. We can go Catholic. We can go it's evangelical. Just, I, which I, is probably even more relevant. But I'd say they've all performed miracles as far as I'm concerned, so. Great. I and the the Catholic thing is interesting in that it has roots to what is now considered paganism. But again, the foundation is believing in Jesus as like you said the archetype of all archetypes, the um the representative of love, so to speak, and the obvious son of God, the Lord and Savior. I dig JC. In fact, obviously you can see I, I have that right here. Um, <clears throat> but more because of the J than the C. To me, the Christ part is a metaphor or a, um, a possibility. But I don't project upon that person something dis different from you or anyone, really. It's a possibility. It's a. It's like something to aspire to, to be Christ-like. But to me, Jesus isn't yeah, the Christ. The idea that Jesus is the Christ is, to me, extraordinarily destructive. It's a big part of why I think why? we can do better than "quote unquote" the Bible. Um, it keeps us trapped in in the past. Why? Let's pretend we're from another planet and we arrive on this planet and we start hearing tales of this person from 2000 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. It could happen today. And let's pretend they arrive like, Oh, I heard about, so what, what's the deal with this guy from two? Oh, he was the, the peak of our uh, humanity. He, he was our, he's our God. He was actually the son of our God. I can't imagine a being from another planet not feeling extraordinarily uncomfortable. I mean, that. That, <laughs> I, I don't understand why you would limit yourself like that. If there's another planet out there with intelligent life, don't you think God would have revealed himself to them in a similar fashion? Well, to me, similar implies then there would be another, so to speak, Christ. Yeah. I mean, if we... Which I is mean, proving my point, that Jesus is irrelevant. Why? In the way that we relate to Jesus, you actually are the one limiting us. And yet I'm not the one putting God in a box. <laughs> well, then what is God? 
I mean, God is a multifaceted being that is far more than I can comprehend or you can comprehend. But to try and... I agree with that. But in fact, my favorite word is in this context is ineffable beyond words, essentially. Mystery and the the mysticism of Christianity is actually very, very important. But that's true of all mysticism and engaging in the mystery embracing the mystery but so why do we need the jesus part because we need a redeemer because we have fallen short of perfection and because we are separated from god i mean sin literally at its most basic just means to fall short of the target you know what i'm saying why do we need to be redeemed to god no why do we need to tell ourselves that we're sinful i mean I don't think it's appropriate to look at human nature. What is human nature? I mean, I'm not going to be able to to box it into Yet you a, have a concept couple. of it. But it's so vast, but it's it's easy for anyone who's not trying to play the devil's advocate to yeah. understand that even a two-year-old... I'm not year doing old, that. I'm acknowledging that the well, idea... Well, no, no, let's jump back to the beginning of our conversation. Right before we were recording, we were talking about kids need barriers. Yes. Okay structure yeah so do we we're we're literally energetic beings a soul that's in this pupic stage if you will you know it's all super easy metaphors to understand you know souls inside body body grows as you grow you do good and bad things you learn lessons as you feed your soul this that or the other you know god is there watching you grow into this beautiful creation now why do we need that aspect of structure why do we need the sin part for structure because god laid it out very plainly that we are removed from him because of original sin that's no no that's like defining something with the same wording you have to be willing to give me the benefit of the doubt that it is a choice to say that there's something wrong with humanity Okay. You have to be willing to declare. Because I, I know you're smart enough to see that's a choice. That humans can... Right. There's a way of looking at humanity which is not Even, reinforcing the idea that there's something wrong with but us. But I'm not going to get bogged down in an academic debate with someone who's smart enough to know that people are capable of doing bad to each other and to themselves. Obviously, that's there not worth debating. But that doesn't mean so- the thing is true, though. <laughs> But it actually does in this case. If you've, pro- if you've proved that we are capable of doing something bad and God, by my Christian definition, is the absence of that, then we need to be reconciled to him because he says so. And since it is That's a choice- That's not a logical leap. Saying why? that just because we're capable of doing something bad, we need this, that's a choice. That's not actually- But you, That's a choice. I feel like you saying that's a choice to you is some sort of gotcha- but, no, it's a fact. Right, but we've already established that just believing is a choice. Right. And no, so the, if I've already made that choice, why wouldn't I also choose to be redeemed by God? No, the found, what we're establishing is that these are choices. These beliefs are cho- choices. Yes. In other words, your perspective about human nature is a choice. Yes. In other, to, and specifically... You recognize that to say, because humans are capable of doing bad, we need a redeemer. That is, that 
belief is a choice. But but just because I haven't given you all of the appropriate words to encapsulate that thought, and it doesn't make the perfect logical leap for you, I apologize. We still I don't need. need <laughs> we still. But I, again, I feel like people try and play these games where they they box people in because they can't perfectly put themselves out. Like we're all Mark Twain with you know an editing department. It's like okay, I can't express perfectly, but I know that. There's no game being played. The issue, the desire is a foundation. And I've laid my qualifications out, which obviously they're real. There's no game. There's no boxing in. There's a actually a, my priority here, if I have to have one, because I think it's good for us, is to, to establish some sort of blank slate to the best of our ability. So it's not a trick. It's not a game. I think the blank slate is is probably what we both need in order to explore something new together. But and, I feel like we're overcomplicating it. I feel like we ahead. could simply say, we agree that there is right and there is wrong. We agree that there is good and there is bad. We agree that these things can be subjective, but that not all truth is subjective. Just because something appears true- I never said true, all truth is subjective. I, I never said you did. All right, good. But, right. I, I was <laughs> stating literally things that I thought we would both understand at face value, that blank slate. Uh, here's what I think is true to a large extent. There is... I, I actually think three, three words characterize the, the foundation pretty well. Um, I would call it Two ways to phrase it. Connectivity, continuity, and creativity. I also think you'd say interconnectivity, movement, and newness. But connectivity is to say that everything is implicitly connected or unified, if you will. Everything. And I think there's this good exercise that I really like where you imagine nothingness. And you keep returning to nothingness and and seeing how could anything be without essentially being part of the nothingness. How could there be anything that isn't linked by being part of the nothingness, if you will, like the blank slate? And continuity is to say that there is no ending um, in life. I won't speak to after life, but there is no ending to life. It's just a continuum. And creativity essentially is that in being... Allowing for newness is is perhaps the, I'm trying to not be subjective with the wording, is um, to be connect, is to be aware of the nothingness, the connectivity, because it comes from, if you will, you will, by, by being creative intentionally, it's almost like you're bringing forth something you could call divine. And I'm comfortable calling it that. And to me, God fits that. I don't know. I, I wouldn't describe God in any other way than just somehow that. <laughs> and I don't think that's what people have to agree on, but I think it is agreeable. Um, and then from there, and I think that's a good sort of like spiritual, if you will, and I'm cool with calling it that, sort of foundation. And then we have to establish as humans, how do we relate to the world around us and each other if we if we agree on connectivity and continuity and creativity how are we relating to each other and 
nature, so to speak. And that's where I think we can establish morals. But I think it's actually a problem to go with morals first, to assume good and bad without that, dare I say, spiritual foundation. I don't think it works that way. I think actually that's literally what a lot of people are doing and it's destructive uh, on both, so to speak, sides, which is a phrase I actually can't stand. But Because <laughs> um, I think that is the thing that a lot of people do. They impose their quote-unquote morality without having any actual, as you've acknowledged, historical and, and um, inherited uh, concept of what's spiritually true. So I believe or, or in the how past. about just what's going to work long term? You know, sometimes people think that there's this great idea, they have the best of intentions, but they're so quick to implement something that they don't even see how devastating it's going to be in the long run. Agreed. And I, I bet I, yeah, the unintended, I think it's often unintended. That doesn't negate the, the absurdity and the danger of it. The unintended consequence of, as you called it, postmodernism or excessive subjectivity or trying to break down the rules and the establishment is not clear to a lot of people. And I think you can, you know, a guy like Jordan Peterson is appropriately raising the alarm. Like, look, this is, we don't want to go this way. And of course he goes to the extremes of the gulag and the archipelago and archipelago. I forget how you say that word. Yeah. Sounds um, good. Yeah, but referencing the inherent, not dis, not too long ago, <clears throat> um, yeah, reference. That being said, which is a really good. Well, can we can we, yeah, we have keep time going. for a segue? We have. I I have two key things, but yeah, well, just because I we've I got plenty of time. I love to use this because <laughs> it, my family comes largely from. Um, a military culture. My dad's side of the family, by example, army, air force, uh, officers enlisted, you know, for a couple of generations now. And I think people forget that historical context matters then and now, you know, like the, the big boon always focuses on, on slavery and colonialization and all that, you know, blah, 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 blah. But even just two generations ago, World War II, like my, my grandmother and grandfather on my father's side ended up living in occupied Japan. You know, race was an issue in life. You know, you went to Japan. They were the Japanese to our grandparents. That Western Pacific theater, that was pretty much all America. You know, that was us fighting them after this you know, innocence shattering in many ways for the American public event, you know, Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a very personal war for an entire generation. You talk about even the dichotomy of Anglo culture, you know, the Germans, the British, you know, the Americans, you know, race as we see it in this country, just again, as an aside to this whole cultural way of looking at things then and now. Our country is so incredibly diverse. I don't even think most people realize it. You know, try and go to Japan. It's more than 90% Japanese. Try and go to a lot of countries and there's these very rigid standards of, you know, who's allowed to live here just based on keeping it national. And especially if you have a smaller population, I really get that. You know, you want to keep some national identity that way because again, it goes back to shared value. And again, all this to say, 
when things change very quickly, culturally, things can't change as fast as they could say technologically. And being conservative means halting the brakes and saying, look, we get it. There are conversations that need to be had, but let's not tear down the walls just yet and have these conversations at gunpoint. You know, whether it's race or, you know, class equality or the border, whatever. It, I think I should have filmed that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, the, the, there are conversations that need to be had. That was the key line I highlighted for myself there. Um, cause it is a reflection of an openness to engage. Of course, both all parties need to be open. Well, how about this? Let's yeah. jump back just very, very briefly to faith and religion. One of the dumbest things the Catholic Church did in the last hundred years was, you know, shuffle priests around and cover up, you know, pedophilia. Mm. Nobody likes that. I think every single single person I've talked to, whether they be a cop, whether they be a a thug, whether they be just your average Joe, whatever, you know, people with a history, whatever. Everybody thinks it's wrong that cops can get shuffled around, you know, if they screw up badly and, you know, do things that would get the rest of us thrown in jail or fired. And without drawing out any specifics in general, you know, like there's a reason why the Fresh Prince and all these guys had these different tropes, you know, with cops pulling them over and stuff through the 80s and 90s and whatnot. It's like we've made huge progress there, but there was an undercurrent of conversation that needed to be had through comedians of all things, you know, like pointing out, hey, maybe there's still some some legacy stuff from previous generations that we need to deal with. Everybody gets that, but trying to present it in a way where you you literally have these people who say that you know they believe hundreds of innocent unarmed you know black and brown people are killed by police every year and it's the number one threat in in the inner cities it's like no you need enough of the right information you need journalists who do a credible job and get real facts and real stories not real narratives that they just want to push on people it's like let's give people the real information and then have a real conversation with nuance and if possible, break things down to a case-by-case -case basis as many times as possible because that's what a virtuous society does. Virtuous society wants as few ironclad rules as possible because it has the strength and the community, which is one of those C's that we were talking about last week, to know and to trust people enough to give them the benefit of the doubt the most often. And again, we can have those conversations all day long but you can't just try and dupe people into thinking that there's this mass genocide going on when it's really not as prevalent as that, as, as a lot of people have been led to believe. I tried to tread lightly talking about you know, the, my friend, the Christian brother I had on, or that I mentioned, he's um also uh african-american and so we a lot i listened a lot and i try to not engage too much in anything regarding race unless i <sighs> i know i'm underqualified 
given. Yeah, I am though. In a particular way, I am. But that doesn't mean I can't a talk about it. A particular way is, and yes, thank you. As long as you acknowledge that you're allowed to have an opinion. Well, you, yeah, hold hold on there. You jumped to a conclusion, I think. There's a particular way I'm not qualified, which is I don't know. And I don't even, if we, I don't want to get into this, but um, I don't know what it's like to know and I don't think there's any intelligent way to debate this. And and please don't bring up Candace Owens or something. But to there's no Why? way for me to know what it's like to have that kind of cloud um, over my life because of your smile is so I, I am, it's so there's so many there's so no many. it's honest it's actually it's boringly um predictable that you would have that smile is it though yes and i mean that directly just think that we have any qualification to discuss race and i don't disagree about police brutality not being probably as bad as people hype it up to be i i don't think that's probably the case um i also think that food forests or um food deserts are absolutely one of the main problems education is probably the priority in terms of urban situations but also the reality of how a ghetto was formed and that is something that is historically known and jim crow laws are real all of these things are not to be and they're not that long ago so i just think that it's really i think boring i think it's for us to try to have that conversation no i i think it's What's really offensive is that the conversation that's being had now is being had louder than it was a decade ago. You know, people had a sense of more accomplishment a decade ago. we know why. Yeah, they've been stoking racial divisiveness in our culture for the last eight or ten years. Who's they? Any number of people who have been trying to sow the seeds of socialism. That's literally when we come back to those. But you know that's not the only part of this. It's not, but it's a large part. And it's certainly something that doesn't get enough uh, traction in the media because they won't admit to certain things like the founders of the Black Lives Leader movement being devout. Yeah, Yeah, that's not not news. It should be. I think most intelligent people know the distinction. See, when you use a qualifier like that, you've just assumed that, one, the people have the moral authority, and two, that they're paying attention. A lot of people that I deal with only have one or two news sources in their life. And if they're not- What are they? (laughs) Usually it's CNN. And? and MSNBC. Okay. But you know there are more than that. And- I do. Yeah, you but, do. But by example, when we have an entire group in the country, a large third of the country for a year saying, you know, conservative platforms are being censored unfairly, we're being targeted online, we have fewer and fewer platforms, you know, there's this movement to keep us from sharing information. And, and people say, oh, you're crazy, you're crazy. And then things get ramped up to the point where in, in that same year, you now have massive companies censoring news publications when they try and break salacious stories. 
scandals like the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, that that was hugely suppressed. And then Time magazine comes out and admits to it after the fact. Admits what that there did was, they come out with? Time magazine put out a huge article saying that there was a shadow cabal, their words, not mine, of wealthy elites and politicians who got together to fortify, again, their words, not mine, the election to make sure that Donald Trump didn't win. They, when did that article come out? It's hyper famous. It can't be more than a month, maybe two at the most. There's something from December 10th in Time, Time magazine. magazine. This would have come out after the election. So if, that's yeah. After. There you go. It says Hunter Biden is under investigation. Why liberals should take comfort? No, no, that's not it at all. I'm just looking at Time magazine. Hunter Biden. That's all I googled. Um, sorry, my phones are both powered off, so I didn't. Write. But tell me what to Google. I'll do it. This is actually a good exercise. Yeah, no, uh, Time yeah. Magazine, uh, Shadow Cabal, um, Fortify Election. I mean, there, there were tons of coverage for it. I say the, the Hunter Biden keywords might actually detract from this article because um, that'll probably pull you Okay. To February 5th, 2021, the re Time reports touts. Shut up. Uh, I'll tell you something interesting about this. Time report touts cabal of, of, two ofs, literally, of, of powerful people behind conspiracy, shadow campaign to shape election. Um, this is Fox News, though, right, and that's but, the first thing that comes up. But it's an actual Time Magazine article. No, that it's not reporting. They're yeah, that's great. That doesn't mean they're reporting on it honestly. Well, but see, <laughs> now, see now again, this is what I'm talking about. You're you're giving agency to someone without proof. You haven't looked at the video and because you Fox News is fucking propaganda. But you haven't read the article. So I don't have to. Yes, you. The Time Magazine article. Yes, you do. Oh, I'd love to read that, the Time. If I'm there is a Time about. Magazine article, I'd love to read it. Oh my goodness! You See, this told is... me to look. I'm looking up Time Magazine Shadow Cabal. I'm looking that up. That would be easy to find. Hunter Biden. I've typed that in. That should be findable. I'll tell you what. There's nothing you, you here. Me, you give me two minutes <laughs> and we will get to this. You can edit this out. After no, it's good. But I honestly, genuinely don't care only in that it's related but to the bigger should, picture here. Because the, big, the bigger picture is an entire group of people said that this was happening all along the way and were told, oh, you're crazy. And then they come out what and What I care admit, about is the... The possibility of manipulation and being caught up in, I think, yeah, manipulation in many different ways. And that's a real concern. Of being manipulated. And not knowing it. That that is huge. I think that's something we should all be worried about. And again, that's why yeah, it, it, I struggle so much because I think there are so many people who still trust the first thing. Lit by a single why? flame. 
the first thing that what they're told. What did you told. look up? I can look it up. I've got the internet. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Say so that. That's a uh, independent journalist who was reporting on the article. That may give you the date. Get me the article. There's no point in talking about this without the actual article. You claim there's a Time Magazine article. I said there's something from December. Without the actual article, this is not important. All right, let's go to the the obvious thing here, which there, there's no, I guess we call it politics, but <laughs> um, I will not do what you asked me to do. Uh, when was this? Good. By Ma- okay, good. So this is Dude, the this one here. I'm not making stuff I up. I know, but we couldn't find it. You thought that I was making up an no, article that I Fox couldn't. News I wanted you to like find it. making up. <laughs> the Tucker secret Carlson history. comes out, Time Magazine knows swine. Tucker, Mar- T- Tucker Carlson is objectively awful for our society. And yet exposes a number of things. He exposes his implicit bias on the I'm sorry, daily. are you... Are you a f- so do you, despite your What bow, is my bias? Do you believe in critical race theory? Do you believe in the 1619 Project? Because I've heard all about them, but I'm not worried about it. You should be, because that's... Not because Tucker Carlson says so. But he brought it to the attention of a lot of people. And those things are robbing kids of their heritage. They are literally teaching kids that their heritage is evil and wrong and dirty and nasty and leaving out all the great things that Americans did throughout the years. All the amazing things and the mindsets that allowed us to do so many things over the years. And I think that's wrong. Like, if again, you can have a nuanced conversation even with a child, but you should have an informed... What is again, your you talk about, perspective on criticism? What is your um, definition of critical race theory? I think critical race theory is the practice of trying to change the definition of whiteness into something that is not associated with a group of actual territories and conditions that would lead to less melanoma in the skin. And they're trying to redefine whiteness as, you know, being arrogant and bossy and hyper productive and assertive. It, it, it's kind of gross because... Yeah, it, and it's the thing that people like Jordan Peterson are really up in arms about that are hap- that's happening from a more academic setting and in college campuses, and it's catalyzing a whole potential but, but generation I, of liberal, um, obviously very unstable suffragette. people. Unstable, thank you. That's a good way of But that's about not them. necessarily as big a boogeyman. Well, you that just, doesn't mean it's not a... Except or that, that it's actually a boogeyman. Except that as we see them rise, we're seeing a wave of violence in the country. These people are literally... No, that's, that's, that's not entirely... That's... People who are taught for years that they are victims of an oppressive society and then go out and act on that victim mindset are not going to be healthy and productive compared to people who have been well-grounded with both sides of the argument. They are given... Sure. Then 
That yes, exactly. But that's only quote unquote, and I again I hate the phrase one side of all of this. Right. That's just to say that's my problem is that they only get one side. Who's there? In this case, the students who are being indoctrinated to this critical race theory. This we must identify with each other as a race, not as individuals. This because you're black, I have to kowtow to you in this, 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 and this, and because you're white, I have to, you know. In, actually, there's nothing right now that they're allowed to kowtow to white people for. They have to only excoriate them for their whiteness. And I'm sorry, but as I mentioned before, my family came here after the fact. We're post-Civil War migrants. We were escaping our own persecution. We have our own I get problems. it. I just don't see why you think this is as big a threat as... I mean, you say that violence has increased because of this, and I'm not sure that's because provable or Go back to the true. foundation of our conversation. We were talking Structure, about how... Structure, yes. And faith was one of those things that people need. When you, when you start isolating people into postmodernist boxes, they lose things like the ability to have Christian faith because you can't be a Christian and a postmodernist. You can't have a divine truth and truths that are subjective. You can't have these things overlap. And so these people- How do you know you're not letting fear get the best of you? And I ask that because you- These aren't fear-driven emotions. Well, this, This is me reacting to what I see in society. I see people who are- Turning postmodernism, especially critical Do you know race Elliot theory, Hulse? I, I'm not familiar. Oh, but, you would but, love him. <laughs> but they take this and, again, instead of being able to deal with someone as an individual, they have to deal with them as a black gay woman. You know, you have to you have to take all these things into context and and give that to them, and you can't have any of their culture. You can only have your own culture. It's getting very weird. I get it. I have family. I won't say who, but I am very uncomfortable with people in my family showing their, yeah, let's just call, you know, let's use the cliche terms, their propensity to um, uh, welcome woke-ish, wokeisms into their lives, wokeness into their world. And it's, it's, um, obviously not productive and they don't really fit in with the family that much anymore it seems their focus is so obviously on the kinds of things you're raising the alarm about uh and they absolutely took part in all the um marches in philadelphia starting last was it july right i think the ones where the post things Floyd's. were blowing up and yeah 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 when we all started to really learn about black lives matter um well just just to be clear i was married for three years to a black woman and i was well aware of what black lives matter was before george floyd i i've not been a fan for years I, I've I've had much more of an education with race than a lot of people have because I was part of her family. I, yeah. I've had anyway. I continue. That's uh, obviously that's important information. Uh, I'd hate to gloss over that. And of course, look, there's no. I mean, I'm 
we, you brought up race and it's relevant. Um, you don't need to tell me that the absurdity of white fragility and victim mentality and thinking that we're all implicit or um, complicit, et cetera, et cetera. You don't need to, you're, you don't need to bring that here. Cause I honestly, none of it even, it, I'm not but, even but listening. That's what they're <laughs> teaching to your child. Well, that's what they're indoctrinating your child with that and okay. overt sexualization and somehow that's okay as well. Great. But that's why True, it's or, yeah, maybe and hypo, you know, metaphorically my child. I'm sure they're not doing that in Griffin's uh, grade school, but regardless, have you seen what they're doing in California? Cuz California and New York lead the charge. Once they start doing it, and by the way, you're no longer allowed to opt out as a parent in California about the sex education that your grade schooler gets. That's no longer optional. <clears throat> Again, these things matter, and I don't disagree that they matter. And but, I but, but don't have... Because this is super important. Well, we have limited time, and I, we need to get to the... It's, just, it's unfortunate that we're not it's getting... It's just that the it. march is always going left. You know what I'm saying? Look at society since the 50s in just 50 years. Look at the hyper-transformation of all the liberal culture that's infected society. And I say infected because now we've had decades to see what it's done to us. Marriage rates are down. People are over-romanticized and over-sexualized and they can't be happy with a good, stable relationship. We've lost the ability to have platonic friends. We're not happier. We've got twice as many people in the workforce and we need double the income. Our lives are getting better, but because yeah. we're at the top of the Snapping success ladder. Snapping back like a rubber band to quote unquote Christian conservative values is not, and you're, you are clearly intelligent enough to know this, just going back, which is the only critique of Peterson because he's so, and I'll say it directly, obviously terrified of the gulag and these things. Just snapping back like a rubber band, fall, like cracking is not the answer. This is an opportunity for intelligent enough people to recognize that's extreme, that's excessive. So is that. I'm taking a position that is completely, as you use the word nuanced, it's probably the word of 2020, new and nuanced. But you did something that I'm confused by. The only thing that confuses me is January 6th. It's the only thing that confuses me about your perspective. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be confused at all, actually. But I don't think, I think the only reason you're confused is because what you are possibly assuming. No, I'm trying. I'm not. And okay. you made it clear not to look at it a certain way. I want to know why. I want to know why you were there. Yeah, I don't know why. It's super easy. We, we had hypothetically lost the election at that point. The Supreme Court was not picking up the option to look at the case. We felt like no one was listening to the actual arguments, but just passing the buck based on uh, technicalities and or fear. And we, we wanted answers. We wanted to know why Pennsylvania was allowed to proceed with such a, a loose election and all the other states as well. You know, we, we wanted answers. And quite frankly, Trump is the figurehead. He was the leader of the party and, and right, the so driving force clear. behind the movement. How the hell is he the figurehead? Because he's... 
literally... You know that just makes me all sorts of confused, right? Why? I mean... Please, I, come no, on. See, again, now you're assuming moral superiority. Over you, Donald Trump? Yes. Hell yeah, I am. You don't have it. <laughs> Donald Trump has done more for this world than you ever will. Well, that's... For it, I'll not ignore that, to it. But, the point um, is, what about his presidency did you not like specifically? Policies and things that he let happen or accomplish. Tell me, because this is important, because I could give you a laundry list of things that affected the nation and some that affected me personally that I thought were great. Doesn't make him an amazing human being in and of itself. I have an answer. Please. He did absolutely nothing. Even if he is correct about pointing out that's concerning, you know, critical race theory. He debated Biden about it. And Biden, as far as I'm aware of it, didn't say, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. And he actually thinks of the opposite. But regardless. Even though he's pushing it and just signed up the Navy so that now they're taking those courses again, even though Trump stopped it in the federal government. Because okay. Trump did do things. I can't see how Trump and the way that he... And again, I, it's not even about Trump-Biden to me. Um, it's more just that to me, it's so obviously excessive to think that he's to, to perceive him as a champion for being proud of your heritage and this, this country? like to see him as championing the kinds of values that you seem to care about. It's just mind boggling. Why? What was the option? <laughs> it was Trump or Hillary or Trump or Biden. Biden, we know, is a puppet who's definitely going to let socialism have more of control in this country. So that's Hillary it, really. It just comes down to not socialism. It comes down to ignoring no, the obvious, to me, obvious concerns, which you, is to say that he. You haven't actually made any obvious no, concerns. No, well, because I'm, I'm so dumbfounded. Because he the, no, only I'm sorry, for makes... the record, that's what most of these conversations that I have are like. People hem and haw, but they don't give me real answers as to what he did that they didn't approve of. He provided a safe space for, even if the other stuff is accurate, white supremacy. I'm sorry, is that because of what he did or is that because the media wouldn't let that narrative die? Well, I don't know what the media did or did not let die, but... Well, you, how, how many years did you hear, will you deny white supremacy? Will you denounce white supremacy? Why can't you denounce it? He did. When? Every year. I could pull... Again, give me five minutes. We'll pull up a montage of him doing it year after press conference after year after press conference. They wouldn't let it die. And it's that sad. That would be helpful to see. And what... What's the value in, you know, this is what I perceive, like I, Elliot Holson mentioned, everybody perceives him as standing for these pillars of, of goodness and these virtues of family and strength and appropriate masculinity. And yeah, in the face or in oppose in opposition to these socialist or communist, um, terror or boogeyman and fears but, i guess but i'm he sorry looks but given, given that we're seeing more and more power grabs from these people and that again these liberal 
policies keep getting implemented decade after decade, it's not a boogeyman. This is our culture being undermined. These are literally this new equality bill or whatever it's called, which attacks- None of it looks right is what I'm really getting at. None of it looks right. But but it does. And I, to think again, that you, this you is, is what's said, confusing. But only because of your misperceptions. You just told me that you didn't even- through your yes, admission I didn't here that know you, he denounced white supremacy. But that's a big deal because they- But I've also heard him not do it. No, you haven't. Okay, that's called gaslighting. <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry. Specifically, what example are you there talking about? There was the about? debate in November, you, where, or October last year. The 18th time he said no, and, and he did give a no. He just didn't give a no, yes. No, he didn't. I, all right, we're getting the I montage out. It. We're getting the montage out, dude. <laughs> Just be, I'm sorry, again, because he didn't give his 18th, hell no, no give me the people, montage. It's, I'll watch the montage. I certainly hope so, because that puts you better than most progressives, which you may not be, because you have a bow. But again, so I, I'm dumbfounded at your dumbfoundedness, unless you didn't do any digging his entire presidency. I mean, just for my own sake. He, no, he, I dug and I asked people to explain what is it that he's, what are these quote unquote policies that are so valuable? So what about taking China to task for its- That actually seems like the one good thing. Okay, that's good. So no, that's good. Because <laughs> I've had shouting matches with people who are like, I can't believe he's no, trying that to actually take makes China. Sense. It's like, well, what do you mean? He's That helping. makes sense. Okay. And there's a very distinct possibility that- um, it was the virus itself, go to speak, was created in a lab. And therefore, there's a real, even more obvious risk in terms of what China could or is capable of. That's actually the one thing, and believe me, I've said it quite a few times to people, that does actually look intelligent or well, well, so yeah, makes sense. That's just the one that you like. But what about- I thought you were giving me a montage. I, I got distracted by talking. Well, why don't I look it up? What would I type? I, I bet if you went on YouTube and looked up Trump montage uh, denouncing white supremacy. Heck, if I go to my Facebook feed and take five minutes to scroll mm, back a couple months, I we know that Facebook is really good. But well, that's where I post <laughs> all my my memories. Um, Trump denounces KKK and racism in Charlottesville. That's from so that's that's, not a that's montage, a good, no, though. but that's a great example of the media kept saying, oh, he was talking about, you know, there's very fine people on both sides. And they implied over and over again that he was talking about white supremacists out of context, when very clearly he was talking about the fact that you were there who were trying to support history and people who were trying to have real, you know, grievances with racialized issues. Those were the very <clears throat> fine people. Then in the next sentence, he goes on to talk about how the, the Ku Klux Klan should be denounced and white supremacists suck and all that. And for four years, we kept coming back to that. And you talk about if, if one institution in this country could be changed, I think it would be the media. Because if you have- If I go to, this is radio.com, is that a good one? Uh, that I don't know. I, I'm usually, when I'm talking about that stuff, I'm usually talking about a commentator who put together something. Let me see if I can. I'm sure it's not gonna be that long. I'll watch it. Cool. There's this. Trump routinely denounces racism. That sounds like it. It's from last October. I would that have been right before the election. So yeah, it's probably about right. Radio.com. I typed in Trump montage denouncing white supremacy. Most importantly though, and I really would like, and while you're looking this up, mm -hmm. explain to me 
what and this i had it i had it in mind to talk about this because to me it really is actually if i had to choose one thing i do want to watch it so find the damn mata oh my goodness but come on multitask that's what we're supposed to be good at um understanding and reconciling his and i will say seemingly republicans relationship with and this is being diplomatic of course the environment and a need to reform our relationship with the environment as i see it sure that please explain to me what, what am i Trump? not seeing there yes <laughs> you mean when he took us out of the paraclimas accord by example uh no actually that one might but more like taking away regulations and he had originally but, but again how much of the regulations do you understand because i don't understand it all but my understanding i don't think we're that dumb though so I mean, right. <laughs> but but again by example our carbon emissions dropped more than they would have if we had held to the standards from the paris climate accord so whatever he did wasn't hyper awful now he rolled back some regulations so that we could get manufacturing back up and running but i haven't heard any news and i would imagine they would be very happy to report this that there was you know some hyper pollution or whatever you know I think there was probably a leak in the pipeline at some point, and yeah, that fucking sucks. But when you consider the pipeline being so economical versus all the trucks or trains or transports or God forbid another freaking base bill, I mean, one one of my pie in the sky goals is biogas. I'm all about green energy because I think foodborne. Di decomposition and the fact that we have 50 million restaurants, you know, constantly producing stuff and all this biomatter underneath the cities and, you know, don't even get me started on the regeneration factor of rats and cockroaches and mushrooms. Like we, we have green energy in our future for sure. But again, <clears throat> I just don't think Trump was as evil as he would have been if the media had been not completely dead set on Let's get Trump. Let's get Trump. Let's get Trump. It was like the most bizarre thing for four years. There's I mean, a there's a need to just drop this term, the media, at least with me. It, it kind of drives me nuts because first off, I don't watch the things that I think you're referring to. And second, I know and there is I can we can pull up thousands of montages that there are equal um, <laughs> equal equally biased propaganda ridden bullshit um factories on quote unquote both sides no, of sure. the quote unquote media but, but so think, these conversations are but, but it, not it, worthwhile it, it is though because you have not to you have to really. remember that three no because we haven't gotten anywhere in this regard well three and i want to see the damn montage. <laughs> three quarters of the sources are going to be left-leaning and when the flow of information is being unless strangled you look for by people like Google and Twitter and Facebook, and YouTube, which are heavily biased left. Why don't I just do this one? This is from Fox News. Trump denounces white supremacy 38 times in new uh, video from October 27th of last year. Can I just do that one? Yeah, absolutely. Right, great, here we go. This will be fun. The 2020 candidates stepping up a war of words after an intense first debate marred by frequent interruptions. The Commission on Presidential Debate weighing in 
on the changes to the format of the next Trump Biden showdown. What is on being at the debate, but he wants the rules to be correspondent. John Roberts is live with more. John. No, I would, yeah, oh, uh, here. No, here, give here. me, this is it. I denounce white supremacy, okay? Wait, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. You start <laughs> off with white supremacy, I denounce it. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities as we saw in kenosha and as we've seen in portland sure, you I'm willing to do this. i totally disavow the Ku Klux plan i totally disavow david duke any group of hate i am whether it's now i'm pretty sure most of these are not even the same year this is like oh yeah these are all over the place that's what i'm saying it'd be interesting to see the tweets that followed up each one of these Well, see, that's my point. It's like, I just can't believe we're out of... No, I, but we got to watch these. I need to hear these. Right. These are important. But, but it's like, so the issue is never settled, well, even we though it's over, over and over and over again. Gonna, um, because there were other things that kept happening or being said in between. And you know that. The, tweet, the tweets, we could probably equally f or easily find a list of tweets that contradict some of this. Why we are talking about this guy who is, to me, so obviously pathologically destructive but and you keep coming back with that insane but, I keep but i'm you... not saying that he's unique in that regard okay. i'm saying this is crazy to me that we care about this guy i think i and think because i don't and the only reason that i get to say it to you is because you were there on the sixth and i don't understand how championing that person fits the rest of it even if you think that he's simply the um, the the shield or the 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 way to he he's the politician the, who did what he said he was going to do. You know, he kept promises. He spoke brashly. You know, people have so many so much evidence against that statement, right? Which promise? Well, you tell me what he did. Because right, you mean, keep saying how you have these conversations with people, all they do he is... Was gonna, he said he was going to get the southern border under control. And I'm not just talking about the wall, which, by the way, okay, he Okay, but you bought. know the wall is an embarrassing example. No, the wall is an excellent example of not only did... How? Because the wall was... <laughs> do, you, do you know the difference between the wall that he built and the wall that was there previously? Do you have any size and scope No, I've never been there. And I... It, it's it's like the difference between a chain link but fence. But who paid for it? We did. Absolutely. How is that acceptable? How is that him doing the thing he's going to say? Because of what it did. Do you have any idea? No, how you're ignoring an no, inherent no, contradiction. No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> well, explain to me. Because <laughs> he got the southern border under control. Sex trafficking dropped. Child trafficking dropped. Drug trafficking dropped. The number of people who were killed crossing the border dropped. So you're saying, oh, he said Mexico would pay for it rather glibly. And I'm like, I don't care. I never thought Mexico was going to pay for it. you're just being a hypocrite. You can't say you're, I don't care just because you don't care. No, I care that he got a That's wall. That's called lying. No, I care that he got a <laughs> wall built. Which is what That's I fine, wanted. But you're still being inherently now, again, subjective no, about what you choose to care about. And you're trying to pick the moat out of my eye, out of your eye, before focusing on the, the beam. It's like, okay. You mean so, the splinter? 
the, the point being, you want to focus on the fact that Mexico didn't pay us to build the wall. I'm willing to focus on the fact that he got something done, something concrete, literally, in this case, Pun a intended. wall. But, <laughs> so you're saying you would be happier if he didn't build the wall and sex trafficking and child trafficking and drug trafficking saying, stayed sky high. I'm saying I don't actually so, believe that you know these facts. That's what, what I'm what saying. What facts? You're the one with the computer in front of you. If you don't want to, if you don't want to know, no, fine. I do. But I think it's good to know. So again, this is what I'm talking about. This is what conservatives come up all the time against. It's oh, Donald Trump's bad, but you didn't know that sex trafficking dropped dramatically under his presidency. You didn't know that child trafficking and drug trafficking dropped dramatically, and that murders on the border dropped dramatically during his presidency. I wanted the wall. And for decades, Democrats said that they wanted border control too until they realized that illegal crossings of the border and a new population of people could help them replace African-Americans and make African-Americans an expendable population to them. And you talk about, don't mention Candace Owens, people like her are leading a revolt in urban communities where they're saying, we've been led by Democrats and progressives for decades. It's time for a change. It's time to actually get back to some of the roots that prop up a community instead of waiting for a handout. Unbelievable. Well, no, it's pretty much what you expected. Um, <laughs> I mean, and again, Obama built the cages. Trump used the cages. Biden's using the cages. But it's a totally different story from the media. Why can't yeah, but we I'm not the media. Coverage? And that's why it's you are. This is media. You are part of the apparatus now. You are now Good, responsible. But the conversation but isn't going to end with But here's the question. My conversation why didn't isn't about you have some of this information when I sat down here. Well, you, you had said four... you were going to send me stuff and you No, didn't. no. You asked and I never did. But the point is you That's had the same four <laughs> years to notice that all these things were so. The information's been out there. You know, you and I both know who's been rioting and who hasn't been rioting. We're not worried about conservatives going crazy. We're I don't about, know that there were Antifa people on at the Capitol. I'm sorry. I was talking about the entire previous year where they were burning down city after city block, killing all those business owners. Ex-police chief comes to mind. Kids. You know, I, I think more people died during the riots and more property damage was caused during the riots. Than... But I'm not a, I'm not pro any of that. I know, but but you're you're coming off as anti Donald Trump and the same people who supported those because you were can all nuance. About... If you can be anti Donald Trump and not pro that, okay, that's that's called nuance. But you use that but word. But you're supporting the people who attacked him the most. And those... no, I'm not. That's not true. Everything you said leads me to believe saying that, you are that happy both that are Trump... examples of excess, and neither one of them looks good to me. So, again, I, I postulate that most of that in this case is because you allowed yourself to be led by the nose into the Donald Trump is bad category and didn't look critically at his presidency. By example, his presidency led to unprecedented peace deals in the Middle East. Four of them, if I remember correctly. That's that's people who we thought had no business in politics four years ago. And somehow, Democrats were able to spin that as though it wasn't the best thing we'd ever heard of. If Obama had come up with four peace deals in the Middle East, he would have been given multiple Nobel Prizes 
Trump got nominated a bunch of times, but he's never going to get one. Again, it's hypocrisy. Donald Trump caused a lot of really good things to happen by being different from your established politician cast. And I wasn't a huge fan of his before he went into politics because I don't care for reality TV by and large. But, you know, he's a tough New York guy, you know, from the old system. And, you know, he's a heck of a lot better than the Bill Clintons and the Hillary Clintons and the heck, even probably George Herbert Walker Bushes out there at being a president. He, he did more for people, uh, even my own family, you know, between tax cuts and slashing the regulations on inheritance tax so that family farms could get inherited without costing millions of dollars. That's me personally. That means when my parents die, I don't also have to sell off the family estate so that I can pay for it. You know, like, it's not just what he did internationally. It's not just the fact that he was a champion for conservative values, even though he's not himself a very conservative person. It's putting it lightly. But because he stood up against these people who are trying to indoctrinate children to all these different concepts that are untested in society and was forming a bulwark of, hey, it's okay to be proud of your American heritage, which is something that we're seeing less and less of in society. You know, this whole woke, woke culture, that's, that's patently anti-American, you know, specifically because it tries to resegregate people and make us treat each other as groups and not individuals. And I think Donald Trump inadvertently stepped into that role, by the way. I don't think he set out to be that champion. I think that's something that he kind of fell into because he saw just what kind of quagmire the swamp was and the, the vitriol of the attacks on him, I think kind of pushed him into being that person more than he intended to be. As I said after our conversation last week, send me information. You have apparently years worth of information to share with me and I will read it. Awesome. And I'm, I'm just saying, you got to give a fair shake. Why was I there on the 6th? Because No, well, I actually wasn't going to ask that, but okay. sure, go for it. I was going to ask a different question. Because it's history. It was either the end or the beginning. Either he was going to tell us what the Hail Mary pass was and we were going to go up to the Capitol. Well, he did, didn't he? Go to the capital and peacefully assemble because those were his words i mean not literally but sure if that's how you I interpret mean, it <laughs> on the day in his speech as he was wrapping up that's literally what he said he said all right you know now we're getting ready to go to the capital you know it's got to be peaceful you know show them what you know real protest looks like you know the peaceful protest but no there was no there was no revving people up to get crazy Nothing like that. I suspect that's true. Not on purpose, at least. Well, it's like I told you the other week. Actually, I don't know how much into the story I got, but after Not he spoke, we, we got to started. the Capitol and things had already happened. You know, I literally had no idea because, again, they called for backup and were denied like a half dozen times. So they probably would have had sirens going off during his speech, which would have made it more clear to the narrative that I'm pushing, which is Donald Trump didn't cause anything on the 6th. Trying to pin him for some sort of insurrection is nuts. And quite frankly, his base isn't that kind of people. We're the long-suffering Christian conservatives. Not and, and like I was telling you, it's our whole bent as conservatives is 
self-perfection. We're not the let's fix society with a, a hammer and Molotov cocktails types. Then so, who are the people literally being arrested for saying things like, let's shoot someone and let's hang someone? Who are those people? On the 6th? Yes. I imagine that there are still some people who were conservative who got swept up or who went there with bad intentions. But then, the then, number of people who would actually be culpable, who had that mindset, negligible. And we do have video evidence of people from CNN and these other resources, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, who have now been doxxed since, who have been compared to videos and police reports of old, mugshots and I looked not. that up. There's no proof. And the FBI director just came out in the last 48 hours and said they have found no proof of any of that. And obviously you can tell me that he's just lying or something. But I'll show you what I've got. That's all I can say. I, it doesn't really... I mean, yes, I like I said over but the weekend, so, I want to read anything you can send me or and, you and want again, to send me. But Occam's razor to me is a, a real good way of framing things. Who's been violent all year? Well, not the conservatives. So who went to the Capitol to be violent? Well, probably also not conservatives, by and large. And quite frankly, if you have 50 people out of 200,000 who start acting up, that percentage compared to the number of people involved in any demonstration, we'll just say for any of these other groups, that means that the, the propensity for violence in that crowd, negligible compared to other groups that we could mention. Furthermore, when you throw in the, the doubt that it was even all conservatives or all people acting in good faith, come on. City after city burns because of leftist policies and leftist agitation. You know, that's a soundbite that you just keep repeating because you were fed that too. Have you been to these cities? I've spoken with people in Seattle. It's not as I, I've spoken with people in Chicago, not Seattle. Well, Chicago's been go a problem for many presidents. And we know these are sound bites. Cities are burning. Cities are burning. That's a sound bite that we get fed just as much as anything but, else. But Let's I've move done... on because I actually need to, unfortunately, wrap it up, which is unfortunate. <laughs> Because I know we could keep going. Here, give me your give me your final piece on that. I wanted to ask a different question. All I would say is there is a plethora of independent video out there that yes, has nothing to yes, do. Yes. But so to say, have you talked to anyone in the city? No, but when or I been. But by example, when I watch and piece together enough of the Kenosha riots turned shootings to see Which the, is a great example of a exactly. quote unquote conservative being violent in reaction because again you can literally piece together I, the initial shooting and then you see the group of people go off and there's this guy in the background and you see uh, you piece in another video you see someone that's not the original shooter now they're talking about how this group is following the guy then the guy comes out and is getting chased and they're attacking him and he shoots back and we have video of him you know what all of this is irrelevant no, it's not. Yes, this it is. is. This because is hours it's a of research versus no. someone who doesn't have this information. That's all this is. No, it's, it's irrelevant because it's one form of victim tied on to another form of victim tied on to another form of victim. He's not a victim. He was there defending his community. Why did he need to defend his community in that exact kind of way? I don't know if that's actually the but right th answer. Like, but that's like saying, why did you defend your home? Why did you defend your daughter? Well, you know, you shouldn't have been in the position to do it. 
well, maybe you couldn't move out of that town. Maybe the town means something to you. Maybe you think values mean enough to defend. That's, that's Kennedy. They will find that liberty is not so sweet nor life so good that we cannot give it here for freedom or whatever. The point is, some things are worth defending. American values are worth defending. His home is worth defending. His job is probably worth defending. And since he's a teenager, he probably takes all that to heart because that's when you're super passionate. He was there defending life, liberty, and community. I think if there had been a hundred more just like him, the riots would have been a lot quicker. You're allowed to have pain. That doesn't mean you get to inflict your pain on other people. And if they fight back, you don't have the, the right to bitch. You made an important statement, which is, um, but not that this is the only one, but there are conversations that need to be had. The only part that, and I mean, it's not surprising. I'm glad this has been productive, but it's also, it's not how I want it to end and I need it to end for now. And it can be a part one if you want. Obviously, there's potentially going to be more Thursday if you're still game. Sure. He winked at me. I feel like I should like throw a baseball at him or something. Oh my goodness. Um... That was a reference to Field of Dreams, by the way. <gasps> it winked at me. All right, so you said there are conversations that need to be had. Yes, absolutely. Because this again, face-to-face, -face, we have so much more in common than yeah, online. Yeah, but even this, I'm glad we're doing it, but we need to figure out a different way because I am not... concerned the way you are about this one topic and i actually am not concerned about quote unquote the other side either um being concerned about either one doesn't actually seem like a valuable foundation coming from that place and it's obvious that that's the norm dare i say I just don't think that's a valuable place. Hence, we spent the first almost hour, like 45 minutes, exploring how to establish an agreeable foundation. Which, I mean, is the most important part of the building. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's time so, well spent. And we yes, have... and the window treatments are arguably the least important. There you go. To me, on that metaphor... Um, this last portion has been a lot about window treatments. And I realize that that might seem like an oversimplification given, but what about this and what about this? And, and of course, both in all contexts, that could seem like an oversimplification. And what I mean by a waste of time is that I, and a distraction is you reference the media and I get what you mean, but it's all over the map, dude. And you know it, that quote unquote media issue is in all contexts. And if we really, really value establishing something good, mm -hmm. none of those, I have all of these links open for different things that I want to understand better, but none of it's going to change the fact that we need to dis establish an agreeable foundation. None of it's going to change that. It might help to do that, and hopefully so, but still the priority needs to be establishing that agreeable foundation, no matter what. I agree, 
But because I think there is so much vast difference to cover between, and for the record, you're one of the more rational people that I've been able to deal with in the last year and a half. This is one of the better conversations because normally they just devolve into name calling and, you know, they walk away. I hope you're not surprised by that, but yes, I, I'm not surprised by that. I think, I think it's, <laughs> a, I would not have invited you if I thought that was going to happen. Deep the, the gulf is. And, and to be fair, I, that's one of the reasons I didn't send you anything is I didn't think that I needed to take this seriously because I didn't think that you were going to give me anything to, to really think about. Most people don't. Most people just talk and then they say the same well, four You know what they say and, about assumptions, mister. That, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Fortunately, I am me and a big one. But, uh, see, this is what I said was going to happen. Now we went down. No, it's okay. I know what you were saying. You were acknowledging that there's a potential for us to go but further. Because there's so much of a gulf. I don't think it's bad to slap around at the window treatments for a while because sure. kind of like that whole internal difference, you know, is someone trying to self-perfect and then let that light shine forth to make a better society by example, or is someone trying to attack society despite the fact that they're super imperfect and therefore going to create just a safety net for their imperfections rather than a good society. You know, there, there's a huge gulf fundamentally between these thought processes. Mm -hmm. And so trying to tackle some of the veneer might actually help us to clear enough clutter to get to foundation. Maybe. Just, just a thought. Maybe. Especially if in the right context, a context like this, sure. But not something obviously like January 6th to me. And not something like all the bullshit we see senators getting wrapped up in. And not something like obviously the media. Yes, on these smaller scales, let's do it all well, because well, see, there's an inherently different attitude. I, I just feel like January 6th has been so overblown in everyone's mind because no one or everyone keeps talking about it. I mean, it was just another, aside from what happened, literally aside from the damage, which was largely overblown and which has most certainly not been truly reported on because, again, most of the deaths were the protesters and we've been lied to about that cop. But it wasn't about that. It was just about finding out what's next. It was about what's going to happen in the Senate, it was kind of like, a, okay, we got them. Now we have six hours, you know, mandatory debate per state. That's like 24 hours, you know, or however many states were there. You know, we, we were expecting, or at least this perpetual feeling was people expecting that there was going to be all this evidence finally heard you know, finally looked at, pawed over. Why weren't the machines given? Why were they fighting this? Why were they doing that? What was happening here? Why was that? Why couldn't you have, you know, these Republicans, you know, within so many feet of the voting counts? Why were they blocking windows? That's what we came there to find out. But we didn't get that. And that's why, again, could could there have been yeah, conservatives that, that went too far? Not sure, all of that's but, true, though. And I, we got to stop. We can't, what do you we mean can, none of that's or not true? Because There's a lot of um, claims in those particular regards about how we weren't, you know, we, quote unquote, weren't allowed to um, observe the counting, et cetera, et cetera. And it's been 
proven, or at least in the courts, it's been. It hasn't though. That, that's that's one of our biggest arguments: is the courts threw a lot of things out without actually looking at the merits of the evidence. That's one of the biggest issues. That's what's not I being don't know. reported. I, I think. But you don't know. I can prove that to you. No, you can't prove that it hasn't happened because there were how many? 50-some or 60-some court cases? Was it at least 40-something, right? Right. And even in the ones where the judges said, hey, yeah, something's fishy here, nothing actually transpired after the fact. There wasn't time. There were enough lawyers challenging things like turning over Dominion machines in Michigan. So it never happened. Oh, I know. All right. So well, again, it's that whole even, why, mm. what if? It why not just there's such a fine line be here here between just getting caught up in conspiracies and staying I'm just saying, true if to you the don't have something to hide just let us see what it was and that would have been so easy but they didn't i'm not sure that's true why if if you have all the votes you know i'm not sure that that the didn't part is true why did the supreme court not take up the case standing uh, what did they what was their explanation <laughs> See, this is, what, this is what I'm talking about. No, I, I think a, we know their explanation. They said there was no standing. They yeah. said you weren't an injured party. You can't bring the case. You don't think that if but, the Supreme Court thought there was a legitimate case, they would have made a statement about how this is important? I think, I think they fumbled the ball or passed the buck they were the last line of defense that was supposed to say yes you but changed if, your your election laws unconstitutionally and so did you you and you but they refused to hear the case that's not that that's not the same as saying that the case doesn't have merits but it, in pennsylvania it was acknowledged that it wasn't unconstitutional the election law change wasn't unconstitutional no we gotta stop <sighs> This is, it's more than window treatments, obviously, but it doesn't change. This is the kind of, look, we, are this we going to continue Thursday? Is I hope that so. A, all but right, yeah, good. read the all Time right. Magazine article because it goes through the whole I thing. They, they admit to the whole shebang. Well, I skimmed it. It didn't say, I didn't see anything that was honestly. All those, all those words are in there. Securing the voting is the part right here. Um... Pretty sure there's yeah, and I know Time Magazine is generally speaking a little more "quote unquote" left leaning, right? Well, they, so they've to gotten speak, worse. Yeah, try to be a little unbiased, I guess. You, but uh, I have it right here. Molly uh, Ball is the uh, author's name. All right, I'll read that. We can pick up Thursday, right? Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Um, and there will be more than it'll be more than me, but we'll pick up Thursday. I don't. Again, think that getting lost in the weeds or the window treatments is worthwhile, but um, we'll, well continue. Is your goal to try and find common ground between progressives and conservatives? I, I really don't know what the, the game plan is to for the discussion forum. Oh, good. Well, in general, no, no, that's not a, that that's good. I think that's a good thing, but I think common ground in any regard is a good thing. My primary... Yeah, my primary concern, which is clearly synonymous with yours, I think, is a lack of agreement about reality. And I think the the key thing we need as a civilization and a species is an agreeable under an agreed upon understanding of what's real. 
that's literally my number what's one. What's real? Yeah. Huh. And this is relevant to that, but it's also somewhat of a distraction. Look, because we're going to continue Thursday, and I know Ari's waiting, let's pause. We're going to continue. We're going to continue in the other room. But do you... It's going to be a part one, even one-on-one, but do you want to add anything else? I want to. I don't want to end with your not being able to say something else. No, I, I came here hoping that I could find a, uh, a love letter to better understand progressives. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I know that they're people. It's just, I'm, I'm. Well, given trying... that I'm not saying I'm a progressive, that might not have been very, that yeah, might not but... have been, that might have been a flawed it, goal. It's just that <laughs> people, people tend to put conservatives on the far right. I think conservative is. Well, to be fair, you put me on the quote-unquote left right off the bat, too. Well, to be fair, you've no. got a vaporizer that's like light blue. It's like, you this know, you can only def- be a hippie hipster in so many ways before I make assumptions. Anyway, the point is, I don't think conservative, I don't think right and left are are good terms anymore. I think grounded in reality is a good way of looking at things. And I think, again... Hence, that's the, what the, I said. the reason why Jordan Peterson is so popular right now, the reason conservative is the way we should be focusing right now is because I feel like progress insofar as technology and culture has tried to, to run too fast. This is the first time in history I think we really need to actually take a page, like, quote unquote, somewhere between where we're at and the Amish. You know, like you say, you can't snap back. You're absolutely right. And we shouldn't. But maybe we need to start to address some of those conversations like technology might not be really good for a developing child. You know, maybe we need to have, and, and again, I'm open to th- I radical think that's thinking. that's what we like, should pick up on Thursday. Because yeah. there's probably going to be a lot more you'll find. And I think we'll find a lot more of a solid foundation with that. Um, are you okay to pause? I am. I just want to conclude with, I, to... I really encourage anyone who hears this in the future you know, I don't know how many years or decades, but look critically at the things that were accomplished during the Trump presidency and don't judge him as people in this timeline judged him, which was on his morality, because he was never meant to be our father. He was definitely meant to be a leader. But people got it confused. I think there was a lot of trans trans position of what they wanted in a leader and and i think it's kind of a catch-22 because his boorishness and his masculinity is something that a lot of people really crave because there's such a dearth of fatherhood and masculinity in our society but it's also abrasive and that is another thing we can talk about on thursday we'll leave it at that thank you my pleasure thanks for having me colin All right, everybody. There you go. It's part one of, I'm sure, at least two and more to come with Anton. And thanks again, Anton. Thank you all for listening. There will be a lot more soon, especially you'll see over the next couple months, um, Happy Grow Media. And some of these conversations will be taking place there, especially with the men's group conversations in the wide open letter wide open show all right 
thanks for listening, everybody. And again, go get your go get your drugs at Native and your your furniture at Philadelphia Table Company. Thanks, y'all. Ta ta.